Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP experience management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward. Building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Sheila's teenage son, Stephen, had a been-there-done-that attitude. So when she took him to Cracker Barrel to try new southern bowls, he smirked. He'd done burrito bowls, rice bowls, even a pokey bowl. But Stephen had never seen southern ingredients like sweet onion jam, maple pepper bacon, crispy grits cakes, or pimento cheese sauce. Which meant mom was right. From surprising moments with mom to new southern bowls. For a limited time at Cracker Barrel, enjoy every little thing. And May 6, 2018, menu varies by location. Welcome everyone to episode 124 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to say goodbye to a bunch of really crappy Eastern Conference teams. Before we do that, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And until the end of the month, we're being hosted on FanRag Sports, so follow them. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. On Twitter, at FanRag Sports. And for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with the Z. Uh, we announced that last episode. We are happy to announce that we have already found a new home. We are going to not reveal where that is until we are done with FanRag. But rest assured, we will be continuing at beginning April 1st at a new place. Uh, in the meantime, please continue to subscribe via whatever podcast uh, RSS feed you are already using. That's It should all transfer over, but we'll have more details in the next week or so on that front. Joining me, as always, is my very stable genius as a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, I'm looking at the NBA picture right now in the Eastern Conference bottom that we have to talk about today, Brian, and I'm just depressed. <laughs> Just yeah. depressed about the amount of teams right there. But before before we go into all that, just wanted to remind you guys out there, as you just said, Brian, remember to subscribe to the podcast. If you are listening strictly on the website of FanRack, that is not going to be a place we are going to be after April 1st. So make sure to, to subscribe to us on iTunes if you're on an Apple product. And if not, there are Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts if you're on Android. It's the NBA podcast. You can find us everywhere. Yes, perfect. I knew you would swoop in and give the details that I obviously I would don't. save your ass, bro. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, 
I'm going to save your ass for it because we're going to talk about the Bulls today, but we're going to we're going to stave that off for a little bit. We're just going to work our way up from the bottom of the standings. And as a reminder, more, what is this segment called? Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Yeah, we. It's time to say goodbye to five teams. We're recording this on Saturday. Five teams have officially been eliminated from playoff contention in the East. So we're going to work our way up because most likely we're not going to talk about any of these teams again until the NBA draft lottery. So let's start with the Atlanta Hawks, Mm -hmm. who are currently 21 and 51. They have the third worst record in the NBA, trailing only the Memphis Grizzlies and Phoenix Suns. Um, Let's start on a positive note, because I've sang this guy's praises a couple times this year in the My Crush segment. What should we make of Torian Prince moving forward? Do you think he has the potential to be a number one scorer someday, or is he more like a rich man's 3 and D guy? I think it's somewhere in between. I mean, number one score is probably going a little bit too far. He's mm-hmm. 24, 24 already, and you know, scoring 16 points per 36. So his, his potential is probably a little bit limited due to his age, which is mm-hmm. pretty advanced. Um, but having said that, I, I still feel there's a lot of potential left in the tank. It's just not superstar potential. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be a fine complimentary com- complimentary player, like a rich man's version of Demari Carroll in a sense, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because they both have dreads. They both yeah. play the three for <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks, which you know Carroll did for a couple of years. Right. Um, but he's had some really nice scoring outputs, like two two forty eight pointers. Yeah, in the last yeah. week or so, when after yeah. Ken Bazemore went down. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy come out for a year when he's in his prime, you know, hitting 17, 18 points mm-hmm. for a season. Yeah, I mean, what? He's at 13 and a half right now. Yeah. And he was, you know, sharing touches with Dennis Schroeder, uh, with Bazemore, with John Collins, with Ersan Eliasova and Marco Bellinelli for a while. Like, you know, he's only taking 11 and a half shots per game. Yeah. And, and, he, and you know, he's, a, he's not overly efficient. He's got right. a true shooting percentage of 54, but with better teammates, which will come because right now it's bloody atrocious, <laughs> Right, uh, I, I could definitely see him crawling up there, especially if, say, a Luka Dantich arrives. Yeah, dare I say. I mean, hell, anyone, anyone in that range, you know, if they finish with the third worst record, they're most likely going to have a top five pick. So yep. help is on the way. Um, yeah, I mean... I. I I think I had him as my crush like last episode. I, I'm super high on the kid, but I think you're right, Mort. I don't know that I would go and say he's gonna turn like he's not gonna have like a Kawhi enter uh, Kawhi Leonard type career arc. I don't think. I mean, no. I would love to be proven wrong because I just enjoy seeing young players turn out to be better than expected. But you know, for what he very well could fill that like complimentary number three role on a really good team you just need that like superstar player at number one but if they get lucky in the lottery this year that very well could be coming so hmm. i i think you know there, there hasn't been a lot to look forward to out of the hawks this year i think tory and prince is one of the bright spots and he's shooting 47 and a half percent from the corners it's pretty damn good yeah i mean he yeah. jumped from you know, he, he shot 32.5% basically from three last year on 1.7 attempts per game. He's up over 38% now, and he's taking three times as many shots. Like, yeah. you know, if he if he 
even stays in that range, God forbid, goes up above 40, like every team wants what he has the skill set to provide. Like he, yeah. he's going to, you know, he, this is where the league is going. Players like Torian Prince, you need to have at least one of these guys on your team to have a really good team. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's still in just in his second year of his rookie contract, but he earned himself a lot of money this year. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, we're, we're now in year two of the Dennis Schroeder starting point guard experiment. Mm-hmm. Going into the year, we were all a little hesitant about it. How do you feel coming almost coming out of the year? Similarly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, we knew he could score the ball. We knew that he could get some assist numbers. We knew that he could penetrate the lane, and we knew that he could hit three throws, and he's sort of continued that. And we also knew he was a shaky shooter from the outside, and 29% from the outside this year kind of confirms that. He's grown a little bit as a as a defender, not to the degree where you would expect him to. He's mm-hmm. also cut down his turnovers, which I find pretty impressive considering he's taking more shots and just handling a lot more of the responsibility but i i'm i'm not sold on schroeder being you know a the top guy on a team at any point a starting caliber point guard yeah i mean i i would be good with that but it would depend entirely on the on the remaining four you you trot out there with him Mm -hmm. i mean you would need a pretty dominant big man especially one who can change the defensive outcome you would need a guy like Torian Prince who can defend mm-hmm. and shoot threes and you would need some additional playmakers. Basically my point is for Schroeder to be an individual success, he would need to be flanked by a very precise recipe of the right players. Yeah, I think that's fair. I you know, I, I think as you said, I don't think he's gonna be the number one option on a very good team. He's mm. proven this year he could be the number one option on a very bad team, so that's something. Like he And that he can score. Yeah, which isn't I mean, like worthless, right? Yeah, he's putting up a career high nineteen point four points per game. I mean, he is a good volume scorer, albeit on middling efficiency. And as you said, yeah. not a very good three point shooter, thirty two percent for his career. It's almost like more help could be on the way in the form of say a DeAndre Ayton, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you know add an Ayton to Prince and Schroeder, and suddenly. You've got something interesting cooking in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I have a feeling that by year two of DeAndre Aiden's NBA career, you cannot just throw a single coverage at him in the post. Mm-hmm. And I know post-ups are dead, whatever. Look, if DeMarcus Cousins, just to, to put up an example here, healthy, obviously, yeah. if he goes nuts in a game and is on his way to 40 by the end of the third quarter... Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what ha- what's happening. Like, teams rush to cover him, like s- double team. <laughs> I mean, even even triple teams at times. And he's just such a good passer that he'll pass out of that. Aiden is similar in that vein. I mean, he's not a strong defensive component right now, but he's mm-hmm. he's a playmaker. He can finish shots. He can. Oh, good lord, he can catch lobs. Uh, he's yeah. he he can score in transition and he can score in the half court. He can hit mid range jump jump shots and. We've even seen, you know, the ability of him to go out and hit three-pointers from the college range, which we were expecting him to do similarly at the NBA range. So when you get a guy like that, you know, you you can't just leave one guy on him if he gets Mm -hmm. hot. Mm -hmm. And then you have Torian Prince spotting up from the outside. 
and if you give Schroeder more space, he will find those seams and right. he will get to the basket. So it's about if they get Aiden specifically, how do you maximize Aiden's output by finding the right players to put alongside him? If that means a sacrifice of Schroeder, which I think it maybe would, then I'm all good with that. I mean, whoever they get, if they get the number one or the number two pick, that would require a lot of follow-up moves because the franchise would need to be rearranged around Aiden or Dantich. Right, yeah. I don't think Schroeder is their point guard of the next 10 years, but it, to me it feels like he's a pick-and-roll point guard without like that natural rim-rolling big man right oh, yeah. now. I mean, John Collins has shown flashes of that at times, but mm. he's not nearly as dominant of a presence as Aiton. So add Aiton, and I think Schroeder looks better just by virtue of having, you know, you could just basically, as you said, he's like, Aiton's ridiculous at catching lobs. Just throw it up and make him like a rich man, DeAndre's Jordan. Or, like, or yeah, or sorry, or DeAndre Jordan, who can actually shoot from more than three feet. Or DeAndre Jordan, who can, can hit three throws and yeah. shoot and yeah, be an offensive. Right. Yeah. But, but you know what's funny though, because when we look at fit, Aiden is the better player, but Marvin Backley would probably be the better fit if we looked mm. at it from Schroeder's perspective. Because mm-hmm. Backley is just a little bit more, um, I want to say relentless. I think that's a better word. He's he's if you ha- if you had to compare, and again, I hate comps, but that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Backley's a little bit Amari Stoudemire ish. You know, he's the guy who's going to catch the ball off a of pick and roll, and then just. To go toward the basket and, and try to dunk on everybody. So there's like a fearlessness and relentlessness there that I think would just fit so well with Schroeder. Whereas Aiden is a little bit more calculated. Mm-hmm. Like he he's he's a little bit more of a finesse guy, though he's not afraid to rise up and dunk. Like one of my comps for him is a combination between Bookie and Patrick Ewing, which is by no means a bad player, but it's it's a guy where you have to center everything around him. Whereas Backley I feel Backley is more of a, of a guy who can just plug into a system and then mm-hmm. he'll just go get buckets. Gotcha. So if they are lucky enough to get the number one pick, I know Aiton's number one on your big board. Would you go with him mm-hmm. over Doncic being <clears throat> the better fit in Atlanta? Well, like I said last time, I mean, this changes weekly. Right now yeah. I still have Aiden, but I mean, Doncic is just so ridiculous. You can't go wrong with either. <clears throat> it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm still gonna go Aiden right now, but I would I would say Aiden for everybody because I never, I never consider fit or or mm-hmm. well need at the draft. You go with the best player right now. I think that's Aiden, but next week it be it could be Dantich. So, uh, DeAndre Dantich. <laughs> good good answer. Yeah. Uh, um. So let's say you know if they miss out on a top two pick, right, and then. You know, say they take a Marvin Bagley. Do you think John Collins can slide over to the five next year? He's a little bit small, mm-hmm. but I mean, today's league, that might not be that big of a problem. The yeah. thing with, with Collins coming into to the NBA was that he was an atrocious defender. Uh, I think he has his moments this year where he's looked you know, not entirely horrible, mm-hmm. but he is a rookie big, so mostly it's been bad. Mm-hmm. Which, But that, that's to be expected. Uh, whether it's an IQ thing or whether it's an age thing, because you have to realize that Collins at Wake Forest <clears throat> was a year younger than everyone else when he was a sophomore. So he was the age of a freshman while he played in a sophomore season. 
Mm-hmm. So he's a year younger, meaning that's one year less of, you know, experience and basketball IQ development and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I want to see him get a little bit more responsibility. Maybe at the five, that's where that situation would present itself. So yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing some minutes for him, but I think he's he's very very good build for the four. Yeah, and I should note this is assuming. I mean, Dion, um, Dwayne Dedman has a six point three million dollar player option. So that question is really just if he declines the player option, would John Collins be able to move? Otherwise, you don't have to worry about that problem because yeah. you're going to have Dedman there for a year. Mm. But Collins, I mean, now that we're on the subject, I, I really love what he's been doing this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's and that efficiency that he brought, that he had at Wake Forest, he's really carried that over, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that I was, I made that my make or break case with him before he was drafted, which was he can carve out an NBA career that's going to be really nice as long as he carries over the efficiency. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, the true shooting percentage right now is at almost 63. Yeah. And, I mean, and he's got Hawks, a PER of 19. The Hawks have done well in the draft the last couple of years between Deadman and Prince, considering they, you know, this is the first real year of their rebuild. Like they were, they were above 500 last year. They were in the playoffs yeah. last year. So like they have a pretty good head start. With you know, we're we're not saying Schroeder is like a top 10 point guard, but he's an above average, average to above average point guard. They have Prince, they have Collins, like they have some good complimentary guys. Now you just need that star player, but they're at least in the range of that in the draft. So I th- I don't think Atlanta is going to stay down in the Eastern Conference basement for very long, would be my overall take on this team. And maybe, like who knows if DeAndre Bimbrey suddenly yeah. becomes a thing, right? Right, that's true. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & and more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer see we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere and friendly helpful experts at every turn you know what maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world Shop in store or online at totalwine.com. Uh, all right, Mort, let's let's swing over to a fellow team in their division, the Orlando Magic, who I am not nearly as high on long term. Uh, yeah, we, we gotta first address Mark Stein of the New York Times recently reported that the Magic are likely to fire Frank Vogel at the mm. end of the season. Do you think that's a smart move from them? Well, I like Frank. Uh, I think he's a good coach. Uh, <laughs> so it would depend entirely on who they bring in. And, you know, we've heard a couple rumors mm-hmm. in regards to who that name is. And we'll see if it's if it's true. I don't know if we're allowed to say this on the podcast, though. No, we, should, we definitely nope. should not. Okay, I'm not going to say that then. But, yeah. um, I mean, look, Vogel is 
I think he proved himself in Indiana back yeah. in the day. Uh, I, I think he was given a pretty weird roster this year as well. So uh, I would probably have given him a little more leash. But, you know, it is what it is. And Orlando is not a stranger to making weird moves. So I guess it fits their MO. Yeah. So what what would you want to see out of their next coach, whoever it may be? Like what characteristics should they be pursuing? Leadership. Oh, my God, leadership. I mean, look, I, I wrote a piece a year ago for – I don't know if this if, if the site is still up. Remember 16 wins a ring? Yeah. yeah. I do not I, think it's still up. I don't think it is either. Um, so I wrote a piece arguing that, that certain coaches should actually be looked at as the franchise kind of player. Mm. If it, At least if you don't have a clear-cut superstar on the roster, if you don't have anyone waiting in the wings who are going to be clear, like, level A superstars, mm-hmm. then go out and spend money on a coach that comes in and just sets the record straight with everything, like, streamlines the entire organization and and is that guy who changes the culture. Mm. So that's what I would be looking for primarily. Um, yeah. A guy who's really good with the X's and O's. But here's the thing. Everyone is good with the X's and O's. I, I'm not really worried about that. Yeah. I, I need the personality. I need a dominant personality who empowers his players but also sets boundaries, knows how to get the most out of people. See, that's I, what I I, I mean, I agree with you there, but I, I don't know that Frank Vogel isn't that guy. I just think oh yeah, <laughs> they point, brought yeah. him in like <laughs> because they thought they had a good team and then they didn't have a good team. And now yeah. he's like, he you know, he, he proved. I think you're totally right. He's a good coach. He proved that with Indiana earlier this decade. But I don't, I don't think he has the reputation of player development necessarily. Like he's mm-hmm. he's more... I don't mean this like uh, negatively, but he's more of like a win now guy. Like you give, like he can help coax your roster. If you have a good roster, he can help coax them into the playoffs and make them a competitive team. But if you have a bunch of young kids who are not very good and not cohesive, and your front office is undergoing an overhaul, I don't think he's just not right for that type of job. So, so you know, I would look at like what the Sixers did with Brett Brown. Like they knew they were about to embark on a long term rebuild. They went after the guy from San Antonio, which more like as you're saying, go after a guy from a culture that you want to emulate. Go after mm-hmm. a guy who has the player development reputation and realize like you need to give him a long ass leash. Like you can't yeah. you know, don't hire someone and turn them around and fire them two years later because your team still sucks. Like Look in the mirror. Right. Your team sucks because you've had a number of miscues over the years that we have rightly mocked on this podcast. Um, it's you know you're you're basically if you're Orlando, you may have to start from square one this summer, which we'll address in a minute. So you need to give you need to look for a coach who's like ready and willing to sign on. Don't go after a Doc Rivers if you want, like a yeah. Doc Rivers type, or like you know they had Scott Skiles. Like, what the hell are you doing hiring Scott Skiles? Like, yep. Don't go after like you have a bunch of young players. Like, go after someone who's going to help develop those players into something that might be attractive to free agents one day, maybe. And in lieu of that, I'm just going to throw this one out there. Frank Vogel. Uh, let's assume for a second 
that he takes over New Orleans or Denver this summer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Those two situations, because I think those two, I mean, Michael Malone and Alvin Gentry, they could be, they could be out the door. I think and vocal Gentry, takes over. Yeah, yeah. Gentry is probably safe just because they're going to make the playoffs, but Mike Malone is probably out. Yeah. So okay, totally but then right. then then let's just take Denver. Yeah. Frank Vogel on Denver. Yeah. I mean, and this is a young group, yes. So it's not. I, there is some element of player development to it, but. Mm-hmm. It's a young group that's ready to compete for a right. lot of different things. Yeah. And there's a Paul Millsap there, which, I, you know, he loves Paul Millsap. Yeah. We, we heard that before. Right. That would just make so much sense to me, him yeah. landing in Denver. Yeah, I agree. That, that's actually a really good idea. I think that would be a good fit for all sides. Mm. Um, so we got to talk about Aaron Gordon because he is going to be a restricted free agent this summer. You know, we, we've seen it where restricted free agency tends to cool interests just because teams don't want to tie up their cap space in these guys. But every summer there tends to be one or two. Otto Porter was the guy last summer who got maxed out. It seems like Gordon and Julius Randle are the two most likely candidates to get a huge deal this summer. Mm -hmm. So if you're the Magic, what do you do? Are you willing to match any offer up to a max that he gets? That's the big question, isn't it? Um, I would prefer... A deal that's in the 80 85 million area mm-hmm. because <laughs> i i'm just not entirely sure but i will say this let's assume that the year aaron gordon had last year was the def, you know the defining year like that was the year four mm-hmm. i would feel i feel much more certain now that if you are to max him out or you know match a deal that's that's him maxed out i would feel way more certain now matching that deal than i would a year ago oh yeah so i mean that's to his credit and the fact that he's still let me just check yeah 22 right um if push comes to shove i do it yeah but i i I would definitely yeah i would definitely see if i could get him for cheaper yeah i would i would i would go to him on the first day of free agency look 85 million take it yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I would. If I'm the Magic, I would not go and offer him a full five year max right away. Nope. I would say, here's a slight discount. If you can get something better, we will probably match it. But I'm with you. I well, don't ma- say that. Well, yeah. Don't, that's don't true. tell him to match it. Come on. Yeah. No, no. You don't. Right. You have it in the back of your mind. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you in that I would match. I would match anything he got. Um, just because it, we've talked about it with Blake Griffin and company before. You, you match it just to have an asset to flip later, if nothing else, just because he's so young. I mean, this is the first year they let him actually play his real position, and he broke out and had a huge year. I mean, the three-point shooting has cooled off from the beginning of the year, but you know he's still having a sensational season overall. Still, really still respectable. Young. I mean, yeah. 34%, that's not bad for a power forward. Right, yeah, especially on almost six attempts per game. Like, right. You can see you can see something developing there where, like, this guy still has a lot of upside. So, yeah, I would retain him. But that said, this front office has no ties to him. They aren't the same, you know, it's not Rob Hennigan there anymore. They're not the people who drafted him. So, right. it like, it does beg the question, you know, maybe... They took uh, Jonathan Isaac last summer, who in theory probably profiles best as a four as well, which seemed, you know, that that raised an eyebrow. 
Now, right now, they are fourth in the standings. So if the lottery holds to form, you know, you're right in like that Jaron Jackson, Michael Porter, Marvin Bagley territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens there? Like, do you, you know, do, do you bypass all those guys? And like, now they obviously <laughs> need a point guard because they traded yeah. Alfred Payton for peanuts. So do you move, like, do you take Trey Young at four? I think it's inevitable that Trey Young ends up a magic. Yeah. Oh, in in God. some respects. Here's what I will say though. Imagine if Orlando does not match an offer sheet for Gordon. Mm-hmm. Meaning Gordon walks for nothing and Mary has Sonia walks for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's two top well, five. wait five? Oh yeah, yeah he was drafted fifth, right? Yeah, wasn't he? He was. So that's two top five draft picks that you let walk. For nothing. Yeah, and you got rid of Oladipo for Serge Ibaka, which exactly. lasted half a season. Yeah, that's I mean, that's just not that's just not good enough. That's that's just bad asset management. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I don't blame Frank Vogel for this because they've just pissed away so many top five draft picks and like, yeah. you know, the Oladipo. We see now that he turned into an all star, like. You pair him with a non-shooting point guard at Alfred Payton, and you're limiting his ceiling. If you let him do what he's doing in Indiana, like he might have been able to do this before, but they just constructed this roster so poorly. And like we've roundly mocked the Bismack Biombo contract, but like you have Vucevic. What the hell are you doing? Why are you signing another center to a four-year, seventy million dollar deal? It's like I, I honestly don't know what the magic were doing before but like right now Mort regard mm-hmm. let's put aside Aaron Gordon just because we don't know if he's going to be back but do, right. is there a single player on this team that you feel comfortable building around like not considering really. a franchise not even like a superstar but just like no I mean I feel comfortable hanging on to uh Evan Fournier he's he's decent mm-hmm. but you know, you just you just mentioned Alfred Payton, and I just realized something, Brian, because they traded him for a second rounder. Yeah. So if they do let Gordon go, and his Sonia is going to walk regardless. Yep. Um, that would mean three top ten picks. <laughs> yep. Have gone, and the return for those three combined is one second round draft pick. And don't forget, they traded up to get Peyton. They traded the 12, which turned into Dario Saric. Plus that's right. So that's 12 first. out of the window as well. This yeah. is extremely poor. This, yeah. is just, this is one of the worst, what, three years, three, the last three years of operations that it, I've seen. I mean, it's just like, it's truly astounding how many, and maybe it's bad luck. I mean... In terms of like where their picks landed and which prospects were available, but well, no, you're not forced to take a point guard who can't shoot, <laughs> right? Yeah, and trade up for him, give up a first right. round pick to move up two spots. Ex- Look, that there's no excuse for that. I I don't think there's anything regarding the luck here. This is just complete incompetence on the front office, uh, you know, part, and that that's not. I don't feel comfortable sitting here just crabbing on Orlando's entire management system, but this is this has been atrocious. Like the, and the thing is, every single fan has been on this as mm-hmm. soon as it happened, yeah. and all the all the guys out there on NBA Twitter and the analysts, 
everyone saw this coming. Everyone correctly predicted this move and this move in isolation would not move, would not work. Mm-hmm. And it keeps on happening. And if I say, like you, or you said, you said that they might end up taking Trey Young at like fourth, if that's where they land. I don't have Trey Young that high, and it's totally going to happen. And if he, <laughs> I, I would not advise them to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, this poor team. I just, I'm, I'm really sorry, Magic fans. Like, I make fun of this because a lot of people um, compared the Magic to the Sixers during the height of the process and said, like, well, the Magic are rebuilding the right way, and like now. I mean, the Magic had a year head start on Philly, and like, look at where the two teams are respectively right now. So, well, at least that, you're not petty. <laughs> it's just like it sucks, but you know, it, I just I genuinely feel bad for Magic fans. Yeah, um, I hope this new front office is better than the old one, to say the least. But it's it, going to be a very pivotal summer with the Gordon decision and with this whatever this pick ends up. Right. I mean, it's you know, I think it's. Very possible that pick determines Gordon's fate, and then it Could also might it might determine Jonathan Isaac's fate too. It's just going to be a weird. It's going to be uh, weird. Yeah, a weird. And year. and we just and and we should also clarify the reason that we've not had an Orlando Magic fan on this podcast as a guest is <clears throat> simply because we do not want the responsibility of having splattered brains all out <laughs> on our screens. Um, uh, I thought you, you were going to say because there are no Orlando Magic fans on. That's you know what? I I'm actually not sure anymore. Yeah. It's it's it is weird because when I go to Twitter and I search Orlando Magic fans, all that comes up is like a dust ball. It's right. pretty weird. Just yeah. tears. Just a lot of it's tears. A, yeah, I'm actually hearing Twitter cry. Yeah. And and yeah. yeah. All right, boy, let's move on to your beloved Brooklyn Nets, who you picked as a playoff team at the beginning of this season. I stand by that no injuries, <laughs> they would have made it. I so, don't care. Yeah, so do you think it was really, like, Jeremy Lin went down immediately. D'Angelo Russell yeah. missed a lot of time as well. Yeah. Do you think it really was? Like, you're you're staying resolute. You think this was a 40-plus win team? I, I think it is. Look, Jeremy Lin is amazing. And yeah, the the no. game he had when he went down, <laughs> he had 18 and four assists in 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in his prime of his career. Uh, he's a great pick and roll option. I think if him healthy would have allowed <clears throat> uh, D'Angelo Russell to play a lot off of him, mm-hmm. a lot more. So I'm not saying that Jared Millen is the sole reason. Um, D'Angelo having played at this point only 39 games, obviously as well. I also expected Karis LeVert to take a little big, a bit of more of a leap going mm-hmm. forward but overall yes i i do feel that this roster could have made some noise if if i'm good being completely honest with myself maybe not playoffs but uh they would have been in that on the bubble team we would have talked about them like oh could brooklyn make the playoffs like are they are, they would have been in the same breath as detroit i think mm. yeah so yeah i mean i don't think I still don't think they would have been a playoff team. I'm standing by that one, but that's fair. Yeah, they like they. I think they realistically could have competed for 35 wins, maybe. Like best case scenario, 35 wins. I don't, yeah, I think they're a little bit higher than that, though. But I, I mean, I get the the the, I get the reasoning behind it. Yeah. The thing that I'm I'm pretty disappointed about, though, uh, now that we're talking about the Nets, is I say a Whitehead has only played. 
16 games this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons I also predicted them to make the playoffs was because I thought Whitehead was going to come out of nowhere. I really, really thought that his physical profile, his athleticism, and the way that he just played the game in his rookie season was was going to... It suggested a leap mm-hmm. for year two, and that didn't happen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a part of it as well. I'm kind of hoping next year that he just does something wacky because... <laughs> I think I think he's a guy who will, who is going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, we will talk about their young talent, their complimentary young talent in a minute. But we first got to ask about Russell. He is eligible for an extension this summer. So, what do you do if you're the Nets? You offer him something that's reasonable. You hope he takes it, and if not, you play the restricted free agency game. There's really no other way to do it. What What um, would you consider reasonable? Well, that's a good question because he's an explosive scorer. Mm-hmm. He's a very good playmaker. Uh, defensively, he struggled a lot. Now he's had some injury concerns. He also missed almost he missed nineteen games last year. So all those things do add up to a, a kind of a low ball offer, I think, where you go four years. 50, 55 million. Ooh, yeah. His agent hangs up the phone immediately. I know, I, I know, but I mean, like, what do you do? You just don't start him at 80. You just well, don't. Yeah, I mean, like, so Gary Harris signed, it could be worth it up to 84, but I think it's somewhere in the low 70s. Yeah, but Gary Harris was always better. Yeah, I know, but, like, I, I think that's kind of where he's going to see himself in terms Look, of extension I, talk. I mean, look, I don't disagree. I, I'm just saying that that's where you start him off with. If he hangs up the phone, that's his prerogative, and that's entirely fair. I mean, look, uh, I, if you look back at the Jimmy Butler situation, the Bulls offered him, I think, $11 million a year, mm-hmm. and he would have taken it had they just bumped it up to twelve. I think right. the, the line was, and they went, nope, yeah. which I wouldn't go as far. Like, if, if D'Angelo Russell and his agent come back and go, you know what, give us 60 Mm-hmm. Over four years, yeah. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah. I'll, that's okay. We'll do it. I, you don't need to be in, not be flexible just for the sake of not being flexible. Mm-hmm. But I just do. I don't want to just throw a wad of cash towards him with those concerns. If he then just balls out in year four, averages twenty four, and has a Victor Oladipo season, yeah. and he goes into restricted free agency, you still have every right to match contracts. So. Yeah. Like and then you do it and then you go okay well you know he earned it we yeah. we couldn't predict this at the point in time we were concerned right I think that's the fair take you offer him yeah I I would be willing to do four years sixty even probably four years sixty five I, I I could I could go I could be persuaded to sixty as well yeah yeah but like yes you don't offer him a max deal right away and then if he says no you can match him next summer and there's no harm done but. Right, you know, for for a Brooklyn team that doesn't have, they still don't have a first round pick. This is the last year. After this year, they have their first round picks back. But you know, this is the way that Sean Marks has been accumulating talent is through trades, young talent, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, like Russell, at least for the next year, is really their best hope for having a superstar caliber player. And Russell has shown flashes. I mean, offensively, especially. I mean, defensively, he's still. Not all that great, 
Um, oh. But he's, you know, he's had some games where he's really proven that he can be that kind of takeover scorer. So, did you see that first quarter against Toronto? Yeah, like he's. I mean, he can go nuclear at times. That was that was insane. Yeah. So like, I if I'm Brooklyn, I want to keep him long term. I think you're right, Moore. Yeah. It's just finding a price point that works for both sides. And and I just want to just I want to say this. I think he's going to get a lot better. Yeah. I would I would be the, the reason I would do it. You asked me like, what would I do? I'm thinking as a team because mm-hmm. if I can get D'Angelo Russell Russell at below market value and a significant portion below market value, obviously I would take that. Mm-hmm. I mean that's th- this is a game. This is a cat and mouse game, and if you get a guy to under market value, you take it and you you don't look back. That's that's your job. That's your, that's your mission going into all this. Yeah. If he balls out next year and averages 25, you know, I'd be more than happy to say, well, you know what? Here's the max. You earned it. But in case he was kind of hesitant about himself and his abilities, he was like, okay, 60 million. Mm-hmm. That's 15 million a year. You know, I might get hurt. Okay, I'm going to grab it. And then he goes out and averages 25 anyway. I win. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, let's 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 move to some of their other young players more because they have a bunch of guys who all in their early to mid 20s a lot of whom have been showing out this year who in particular has caught your eye uh well jared allen has been pretty good yeah. uh for a rookie uh, yep. eight points a game five and a half rebounds a block um he's 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 been good um mm-hmm. As he's, I don't want to say he's like the the next coming of Tyson Chandler necessarily, which he was billed as as coming in, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a very effective big. And you know, the, when you look at that team, that's really what they need at this point. They yeah. don't have a big, you know, trading Brook Lopez. That was the big one. Right. They thought they'd be getting something. I thought too they'd be getting something back when they traded for Jill Okafor. That did not exactly turn into anything. Mm-hmm. I still think Oak can get something done. I mean, after all, he's averaging six points a game in just 12 minutes. So he's at a point every second minute, which isn't bad. Right. Um, so he can be that volume scorer off the bench. But he's not a guy you can count on for 32, 35 minutes a ball game. Whereas I think Jared Allen could develop into that type of guy. Yeah, I totally agree. Allen's been a huge surprise. We, I mean, we thought, even dating back to the draft, that he looked like a potential steal. I think he was number 22 overall, I want to say. He was, yeah. Yeah, and we we identified that immediately as like, oh, good for you, Nets. That was some good value to find in the yep. bottom half of the first round. Um, I mean, we've mentioned Alan Crabb in Crush's past. You had Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I believe, last episode or two episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Both, both of those guys have been showing out this year. Also, shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie. Out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Been, I mean... He was one of their more reliable players, especially while D'Angelo Russell was out. Like, they were kind of up Shit's Creek without Russell and Jeremy Lin. And then Spencer Dinwiddie swooped in and, you know, shooting under 40% from the field, which is not ideal. But still pretty damn good otherwise. Um, so can can I just inject something here? Remember yeah. last episode when we were talking about – or I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before that. We were talking about Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In our bifelicia uh, yep. segment, and we were talking about the fact that Ryan McDonough is, is considering trading draft picks <laughs> right. for for veterans and all that. Mm-hmm. This is why you don't like. This is 
this isn't necessarily draft picks, but you have so many young guys on Brooklyn that's been accumulated, and for uh, Sean Marks and company, like all just one of those guys, just one of them needs to hit home. Like yeah. one of them needs to be a hit, and if they do that, that's that's just that's great, and that's something you can move forward with. Again, like this, this a similar comparison is in Philadelphia under mm-hmm. Sam Hinkie with Robert Covington. Yep. Like these are small gambles, yep. and rookie contracts are small gambles again mm-hmm. because they're not that significant. This is why you don't just give up draft picks. Yeah. You keep them to just add another dice to the table. Right. Yeah. They're all just swings, and you want as many swings as possible. Because yeah, if Precisely. a if a Karis Levert hits. Or if a Jared Allen hits, or a Rondé Hollis Jefferson hits, then you re-sign them, and then you have like you, you know you got you, you're still looking for that superstar, much like Atlanta, but at mm-hmm. least you have some of your other core guys locked up. It, it makes total sense. And it's like that was why trading for Okafor and Russell and Stauskas was smart too. If any of those guys hit, great, exactly, that's awesome. Yep. But let's talk about Okafor more because uh, he is back to the land of getting healthy. DNPs. Well, yeah. what's going on with him? What do you think is going to happen this summer? The Nets can only offer him up to what his fourth-year team option would have been, which was six point three million. Yeah, that the Sixers declined. He's gonna go home, I think. To Chicago? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the Bulls have talked about him prior, and and they were pretty. They were pretty high on him, and they seemed to to carry their love for a player for a lot of years. I mean, look, they chased Pau Gasol for so long that they decided to sign him at age thirty four. Right, I think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up a bull next year. I think that as a as a backup, <laughs> obviously, I I don't think he's gonna get big money offers either way. I I think he's gonna get one of those prove it contracts. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think him going home is going to be like a conscious thing with him going. You know what? I, I need to regroup. I need to go home, find my roots, and see if I can make something out of this. Yeah. So, do you think? I mean, a lot of the talk, especially this year when he was still in Philly, was like, "Oh, it's not fair to him." You know, he's buried behind Embiid, and before that, he was buried behind Embiid and Nerlens Noel. Um, Clearly, you know, now he's had a new opportunity in Brooklyn and mm. hasn't done, hasn't lit the world on fire, to say the least. So, you know, remove the fact that he was the number three overall pick because he, compared to those draft expectations, yes, he's an enormous bust. But do you think he can still salvage his career to the point where. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's we talked like, about this. Right. He's a, like Greg yeah. Monroe, Al Jefferson type. That's the that's the that's the ceiling, right? I mean, yeah. that has to be the ceiling. He's not going to go beyond a prime Greg Monroe thing. I don't think. I no, mean, I don't either. Uh, and and then you can ask yourself if he be, if he reaches like a just below Greg Monroe level, is he a bust? I don't think he's a bust. I just think he was drafted too high. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he's impl- he's not playable. Um, and, and and I want to say two things can be true at the same time. I do think it affected him playing behind Embiid and and Noel and not being given a the proper role. I think he was given the right role in his rookie season. He was given thirty minutes a game, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Upward, yeah. And he was and and he was given a lot of shots. But I also think they started to find some success 
in him at times. Like he's, yeah. his large scoring outputs did seem to like when he got into a rhythm, he mm-hmm. was pretty unstoppable. Yeah. And then the, the his sophomore year, they just completely went went away from that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's easy to adjust to to a life where you just go, oh, I'm playing 30 minutes a game to start my NBA career, and now suddenly I'm getting DNPs, even right. though I'm fully healthy. Right. That just doesn't make sense. And I think he's I think he's way too much in his head right now because of that. Yeah. So that's, that's why I think he's going to go to the Bulls. I think he wants to go home, be close to his family, and just have a chance of him kind of regroup and see what's if if there is anything to it. The yeah. thing is, and uh, just to preface it, I don't think he'll sign with the Bulls if they don't <laughs> find a way to rid themselves of Cristiano Felicio. Mm. Because yeah. there's no way they're paying him $8 million a year and then going after Okafor as well. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah, I mean, the problem with Okafor is he, I mean, he, he was a better passer in college than he's shown in the NBA so far. And, yes. you know, post-ups are mathematically the least, efe- at least efficient shot in basketball. So you don't want to structure your whole offense around them. That's That's just basic math at this point. And... Unfortunately, that is Jaleel Okafor's bread and butter. Like he's, you know, even if he's a good scorer in those situations, he is so bad defensively, especially in pick and rolls, that it's hard. He is more of a liability on defense than he's a value on offense. So you have to limit his minutes. Like if you, yeah, the Sixers played him 30 minutes a game and he put up pretty decent raw counting numbers. You know who else did that? Michael Carter Williams, and look at where he I is know. right now. Like, it, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's you can look at the box score and said, yeah, this guy's a twenty ten guy, but at what cost? You know, he. Oh, absolutely no. He's giving up a ton. I mean, we are in no way in disagreement about that. Right. Don't worry. Right, right. That's, no, that's not what yeah. I'm saying. I'm not saying it that you're in that under that impression. Like, I know you. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. 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 But just okay. to clarify for like everyone out there, like, don't if you go and look at his basketball reference page. Yeah, it looks like he had a great rookie season. But then, like, I watched those games. He, I mean, yeah. he is an atrocious pick and roll defender. And unfortunately, that's what teams run these days. So until he mm-hmm. figures out how to do that, like, I think it would be good for him maybe to go to a Bulls or any team that's like willing to like really work with him on improving his footwork and his lateral mobility because otherwise like he is going to be out of the league soon like if you're a big man and you can't guard pick and rolls you have no place in the nba you're yeah, just gonna even, get run off even the as a greg monroe type actually. right yeah exactly yeah uh more let's oh, wait wait let me just say one thing about jalil by the way yeah there is one part of his game that i feel that everyone has has not given him enough credit for in terms of improvement when he came into the league he had just shot 51 percent from the foul line mm. at duke yep and in the nba usually it goes the other way like if you shoot a certain percentage college that goes down in mm-hmm. the nba mm-hmm. to his credit 68 percent from his career so what i take away from that is there are certain elements where he can improve where he is you know he when he's where he's putting in the work and you're seeing the results whether that's you know i want to say athletically like you just mentioned someone to work with his footwork like he could just be athletically so slow that he could never be a pick and roll defender mm-hmm. but at the very least i think you could optimize his skill set I think you could make him 
as efficient as possible in terms of the raw skills, like passing, shooting free throws, rebounding, because I think you can improve him as a rebounder. Yeah. And all these things. So I think there is something to be done. But I agree with you at the same time. If the footwork and the athleticism simply does not carry over, hello, China. Yeah, right. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine. And more. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Uh, so, more, let's talk about your Bulls since, or your former Bulls, whatever. Thank you. On the bright side, let's start positively, and then we can work our way into a Garpax-fueled rage. On the bright side, Jimmy Butler trade isn't looking as bad as it did prior to the season. Chris Dunn has turned into a decent point guard. Laurie Marketing mm-hmm. is a stud. Let's go to Zach Levine, though, because he is a restricted free agent like Aaron Gordon. What do you do with him? Like, how much are you willing to re-sign him for? I've been talking about this at length with Bolt's Twitter, um, simply because that's been a conversation that's brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a very positive on Zach Levine. He's an absolute train wreck defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of defensive impact, I think he's even worse than Jalil Okafor. Ooh, wow. It's it's so bad. Like on the ball, he can he can handle himself on the ball, but every NBA player can, even uh-huh. Jalil, because that's just but when it's when he's off the ball, mm-hmm. it's he is completely confused in terms of schemes. He overplays, he gambles, it's just he has no understanding of where he is where he should be and what his job is. Mm. And I understand he's been sitting out for a year, so mm-hmm. there is a certain amount of understanding on that point. But he's what? Um, let me just look it up. He's he's a certain amount of games into the season now, to the point where you should see at least some improvements. But, yeah, that's not happened. He's 24 games into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's inefficient as a shooter. He takes really weird shots off the dribble. Some of the shots you, sh- you should just never see in a basketball game. Uh, because if he, you know, he looks at himself as being the guy, and I don't think he is the guy, but he's playing like the guy, and that's a problem. So because of that, to answer your question, I would lowball the living hell out of him, mm-hmm. um, and I would probably start him at around eleven million a year tops. Wow. Yeah. So, so if he, let's say he gets, we'll go again. Reference Gary Harris. He gets four years, seventy million. You say bye, Felicia. Wow. Look, he's not Brian. You have to understand this. You know, you just talked about 
Jalil Okafor and said, I watched those games. Yeah, you, know, you no, can look I at know. the box score. This guy is is he's he's got a lot of potential because of his athleticism. Yeah. I'm not gonna refute that at any point. He's also got potential as a playmaker. He's very good on the ball in terms of, you know, his handle. He does have amazing shooting range. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there that offensively you like. He's right. even, and this was my big problem with him coming into to the to the Bulls. Actually, was that he was never going, he was never getting to the line. He's improved upon that. So there are definitely some things here. Like his free throw rate went from nineteen point seven last year to thirty this year. That's a major upgrade. Mm-hmm. But he's just he he needs to put it all together first before he should be invested in in terms of like eighty million, ninety million, hundred million. Yeah, uh, the Bulls are going to do it regardless because right. they, they they act out of narratives and not out of logic. Mm-hmm. So they're going to max him, maybe even oh, without God. anyone, you know, maybe even without anyone offering him the max, oh. because that's what they do. They, I mean, they they do these things. They have a tendency to negotiate against themselves. Yeah. But I'm just saying, at this point in time. I would not offer him more than eleven million a year. If push comes came to shove, I could go on with twelve and a half mm-hmm. at the very very max. But I would not appreciate anything more because the more that I watch from this guy right now is is someone who's just in this mindset of I need to be the guy. That's not a guy who is going to play team basketball first of all, and you need to do that in this case. Mm-hmm. And defensively he's so bad that he might give you 20 but give up 35 that's not a winning combo yeah i mean i hear you i like i if, if they are going to max him i think that is an enormous mistake i think i would go higher than you would in terms of what i'd be willing to offer him um again and it's it all goes back to like you can always trade him later but you know if not if you overpay him uh, we, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it, I don't think it's going to turn into like a Luol Deng situation, though. Like, he's so young no, no, and he I has agree. a high enough upside that I think like you could probably find a team willing to take him on. You might not get, yeah, but much not on a max. No, not right? Oh, max no. though. No, no, a max would be horrible. But like, if Alan Crabb can be flipped at four years seventy five. I think Zach Levine could be flipped. If oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. If he gets something like that, yes. I was going under the assumption that you meant max. Oh, no, no, no. I think, no, no. yeah. Okay. If he's, yeah. if they max him out, that is an enormous mistake. We are yeah. in yeah. full agreement there. But I would go higher than $11 million a year. I, yeah, I but just... I wouldn't go higher just for the sake of it. I I, I don't think he's proven anything, honestly. Right. I no, mean, I, look, I would match higher than 11 How How, how far would you go to match? Like 60? Not, 70? I would, yeah, I would go up to 75. 75 okay so let me ask you what do you see from him is it all about the potential because the production is not at any point warrants uh warranted of 75 yeah i think it's the potential i mean the potential he showed in minnesota like i'm not surprised that his efficiency is down in chicago just because you know he missed so much time and it's a new set of teammates and most of his teammates suck but yeah i mean i just think Again, it's more of a you re-sign him as an asset retention rather than I'm confident that this guy is going to be like the number one option on your team. But I also Mm. don't want, you know, he's one of the main pieces I just traded Jimmy Butler for. I want to make sure I I get more than one season out of him. 
And see, that's that's the thing. I would never sign anyone off of narrative. Then yeah. screw the narrative. Doesn't matter. And I, by the way, just to put this into context, a month ago I actually said that I would go as far as fifteen million a year to re-sign him. But when I said that, I felt icky inside. Mm. And then I started looking more at what he did, and th- that's when I took a little bit more hard-headed approach. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think he's good. I think this is an Andre Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins situation waiting to happen. Wow. Well, yeah, if they max him, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but also you know the fact that you overvalue this guy, yeah. because of youth. Yeah. I I where is the major improvement? I mean, he's twenty three. Like we're not going to see it for possibly another couple of years. But like, yeah, he's twenty three. He's six and a half thousand minutes into his NBA career, though. But he where was, is like, the major improvement? He was, he was improving significantly in Minnesota before he went down. As a scorer, where he was flanked by Carl Anthony Towns, though. Yeah, but now he's going to be flanked. Ain't no Carl Anthony Towns on the Bulls. Marketing's not bad. He's not, not they, Carl Anthony no, Towns. of course he's not. But, like, he's going to draw attention away. Depends yeah. on who they get in the draft this year. But, in theory, they're going to have another top ten pick who might draw some attention away. Yeah. Like... He's not going to be the top player on the Bulls. No, but you tell him that. That's yeah, the thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hear you. I just, I would be more willing to. Uh, well, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I, I And look, I, I know that he's going to get more. Yeah. I know. I mean, right. obviously, he's he's probably going to sign for the Max. I, I, would be, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I know there are a lot of Chicago Bulls fans out there who listens to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Just brace yourself, guys. Yeah. Brace yourselves. Yeah. It's going to happen, and it's not going to be through them matching an offer sheet. It's going to be them <laughs> signing him to a max, unprovoked, because that's what they do. <sighs> brace yourselves. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. Uh, let's go to Chris Dunn, though, another piece of the big trade. Do you think right. he's their long-term answer at point guard? He's actually, you know, he, compared to last year when he was just so devastatingly awful, he's yeah. been decent to kind of good this year? Yeah, he's been decent to kind of good. He's also already 24 in his second season, so yeah. retirement plans? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, um he's been good. I I don't want to uh be negative on Dunn. He he's he's been he's been really good, especially defensively. Um the thing that concerns me with Dunn is again his age. You're not going to get a a whole lot more out of him from a potential standpoint. Like, he mm-hmm. might be more refined as a shooter as as his career goes on, but there are several layers to him where you need to see improvements. Like, uh, efficiency-wise, he's he's got a true shooting percentage of 48.8, mm-hmm. uh, which is just not good enough. And he's not... And part of that is him not getting to the free-throw line. Like, he's got a free-throw rate of 17.3. And when you're a 6'4 point guard with a 6'9 wingspan who's athletic and strong that's just inexcusable Mm -hmm. so he needs to take a little bit more leadership and ownership of that role and that's also part why i was against the whole levine thing their chemistry that's this Mm -hmm. has been reported heavily in chicago media as well has been really worrisome Mm -hmm. uh when levine has the ball he goes into isolation mode and doesn't even spot uh done when he's open in the corners and it's sort of like my turn your turn Mm -hmm. so that chemistry is just non-existent um and they even played together in Minnesota, so it's not like they're unfamiliar with each other. Right. So there are some things that need to be ironed out. I will say this. Dunn, at least, seems to be a guy who's going to put up a lot of assists, 
He's going to get steals. He's going to get a surprising amount of blocks. And he's also, at the other flip side, he's going to get a lot of turnovers, not a lot of generated free throws, not a lot of threes. And then you have to decide, is that is 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 that enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of falls into that, like, Dennis Schroeder for me. Like, he's yeah. he's fine for the time being. He's, like, a good stopgap point guard. But right. I don't think he's their point guard of the future necessarily. But... That said, he's better than anything else on their roster. No offense to Cameron Payne, point guard of the future before Chris Dunn. Uh, but Cameron too, Payne is actually I know, I know, well. I know. Oh I my wanted, God. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to acknowledge. I picked him up in my fantasy basketball league yesterday, yeah. and I felt dirty immediately. But yeah, he has been. <laughs> he's been good with Chris Dunn. He's he's got like a turf toe or a sprained toe, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's been out for a couple games, and yeah, Payne has been playing. Like, they have some interesting young pieces. The Bulls, I mean, their management is going to F it up because that's what they do. But right. they, ha- they have some interesting young guys. But let- let's go into, they have, I mean, they could have upwards of $40 million in cap space this summer. We don't know what they're going to do with Levine. But remove oh, no. Levine yeah. <laughs> remove Levine from the equation. What else would you like to see them do? Do you want, do you want them to go after free agents? Um Oh, if like, I'm the Bulls, I don't go after free agents at all. Yeah. So, what do you use that cap space to absorb bad deals? Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. mean, look, hey, Washington uh, with Jan Mahimi, yeah. what kind of assets can you give us if we take on Jan Mahimi? Mm-hmm. Like, how many future first rounders are you willing to, to let go of? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the right play. That's what rebuilding teams should do. Like, you're not yeah. going to compete. So what's the point of bringing in, like, you know, you're not going to get a LeBron or a Paul George or whatever, but, like, what's the point in signing a Contavious Caldwell Pope or something? Like, why? What does that accomplish? You win a couple more games, I guess, but, like, who gives a shit? Just, like, develop your young guys, and then, yeah, save, I mean, hell, even if you have, you know, even if you use, I mean, God, even if you re-sign Levine to a max deal, um, you're still probably gonna have at least like fifteen million doing back of the napkin math. Yeah, uh, something along. Yeah, depending. I mean, depending on what happens with the pick and whatnot. But, but... I, I can make this whole thing a lot easier on you. There are only two players on the roster right now for the Bulls that I would hang on to. Okay. Which is just undoubtedly, Laurie Markkinen. Yep. And this name is gonna surprise everyone. David Nwaba. Oh, I knew you were going to say Nwaba. Yeah. Yeah. Because David Nwaba is fantastic. Bobby Portis might be the third name on that list if mm-hmm. I should include uh, a number three. He's been really good mm-hmm. uh, this year. But that's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, Denzel Valentine can barely dunk the basketball. He's that unathletic. That's going to be a problem moving forward. Zach Levine, we already touched on. Robin Lopez does not deserve this mess. He deserves better. <laughs> yeah. Justin Holiday is a similar vein as Robin Lopez. Like, there's just no point. Chris Dunn, we touched upon. Um, you know, Jerry and Grand, it's just been not been very good. Cameron Payne has been good, but you know that what's his ceiling? Backup point guard anyway. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Felicio is overpaid and has been brutal. Paul Sipser is arguably one of the worst NBA players in the league. <laughs> It's bad. Yeah. 
it's bad. And and the Bulls are probably going to pick eighth or ninth because, yeah. Is there anyone in that range who you really want them to go after? If I'm the Bulls, I'm just looking for for the most impactful young guy. But I don't. I know that they're not going to stick there. They yeah. want. They want uh, Marvin Backley. <laughs> this this has been reported. They want Marvin Backley. Uh, let's let's ignore the fact that he plays the same position as Laurie Market. And, and remember, right. when you trade up for a specific guy, then you take need into account. Yep. Because then you have to combine both the need and talent. But apparently, they think of either Backley or Mar- Markinen as the center. I am going against the grain on that. Both of those names as the center, but so be it. Uh, so they're probably going to package their own pick, the Pelicans pick, and one of their youngsters. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bobby Portis. It's atrocious. That's so bad. That's so bulls, but it's so bad. But but you could totally see that going down. Oh, absolutely. Without a question. If I floated that idea out on Twitter, every Bulls fan would go, no, no that would be so stupid. But not yeah. one single Bulls fan would say, I find that unrealistic. Yeah. Right, it's, because, a, it's a dumb move, but I could totally see them do it. I mean, what? How many picks did they eventually overall give up for, for, McDermott. for Duck McDermott? Yeah. I think six. Yeah. Oh, ah. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Knicks, unless you have any Thank final you. parting thoughts for the Bulls. Um, we'll get, we have to start with Kristaps Porzingis, obviously, who is going to be... I mean, he tore his ACL. He is. Mm. They they might have him back at the start of the year, but at the same time, he might not be ready to play until early. Your Knicks don't rush it. Right, right. So like, <laughs> should that like should I? I mean, I'm thinking they should approach the 2018-19 season as basically. I don't want to call it tanking because they just don't have their best player. It's like that's. Mm what it is but they shouldn't go into this summer thinking they're going to be competitive next year right like they should right they should immediately just say well it's nick so when do they ever go into a summer thinking they'll be competitive next year <laughs> i think they always do i think that's the problem uh, that's true <laughs> i that's mean a fair point yeah but, like they're yeah, not the results be. just yeah that's true <laughs> the results just <laughs> indicate otherwise right no you're right you're right but yeah, I mean, um, like you know, if they're if they're thinking about like waving or stretching Joakim Noah because they want to free up cap space, like what's the point? Why? Mm. Why do it? Just wait, because if if next year is lost already, wait. That's one year less. Yeah, exactly. As or two years with the stretch. So like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's yeah. less money on your cap for fewer years. Just like 
it sucks. He's going to take $18.5 million to do nothing for you next year, most likely. But that's life. Like, and who knows? By the way, look, if he gets a lot of minutes next year, Joakim, mm-hmm. and finds a little bit of his groove and yeah. plays well, sure, then Orlando will be knocking on that door immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but there's also the question, Mort, of Kristaps, who is eligible for extension as well. What do you do with him? Because I feel like before before the injury, he was a no-brainer Max guy, right? Yep. You still feel that way about him? Nope. Ooh, interesting. He's seven three. You yeah. just don't know the extent of what that ACL injury does to that entire frame. Yeah. I think here, because he's so abnormally tall, that is just a situation where you just go, I'm gonna be very cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble. I look. I was ready to max him before. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna be ready to max him again in restricted free agency if he comes back and delivers. Right. I think the problem is like, he, I mean, Phil Jackson is no longer in charge of the Knicks. But mm-hmm. you know, remember toward the end of last season, like he skipped his exit meeting. His brother was like already kind of, you know, setting the stage for him to leave the Knicks. Like, right. Just floating idea of like hey Kristaps is not happy here he wants out basically so if you don't max him because of the injury you're running the risk of him going and taking another offer sheet yeah you can match whatever he signs but he could sign a three-year offer sheet with a fourth-year player option and then you're Mm -hmm. costing yourself two years of Kristaps that you otherwise would have had if you just gave him a five-year max unless he just decided already qualifying offer yeah i mean look, coming I mean, off the acl probably i'm guessing he's still gonna want I'm, some sort look, of I, i'm gonna go back to this point again and i know the people side at this but he's european yeah look we we're different <laughs> the the amount of you know we, we think differently right um it, it's really about fit and quality of life because unlike being living in America, we're not in a third world country right now. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> sorry, well said. That too. Well said. Yeah. Um, so, so the quality of life is very, very important to us. In mm-hmm. in in a sense of you know where you feel comfortable. It's not about necessarily the bottom line on your paycheck. And I wouldn't be surprised if his pride, which is very significant, especially in that country of Latvia, mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. know. Um, is is actually an, a factor that no one should underestimate. Mm. I would not be surprised. I know a lot of people go, "Oh, you just max him. That's fine." No, stop treating him like he's American. Mm-hmm. He's not. And look, that area down there in Latvia, that it's very emotional. Everything is very emotional, and you go off how to make yourself happy in a different way. That does not mean financially happy. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. I, I if if he's set on I want to leave, yeah. Even if he didn't hurt the ACL, he was going to take it anyway. We, we'll see what happens. I don't. I'm not saying oh right. he's decided right. he's going to take the, the qualifying offer, but I'm saying that regardless of what happens, he could still end up doing it. Yeah. I so think, I yeah. I think the Knicks would have had to worry about that a lot more prior to the injury, but I think. An ACL tear. I know it's not like it's not an Achilles tear. It's not nearly the career-threatening thing it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it's still a serious right. injury. Knocks you off it for is. a year. 
I think yeah. at that point you're probably going to want, again, maybe not a five-year deal, but you'll want like some kind of, you know, you'll want the security of like $60 million just to be like, all right, cool. Like, God forbid anything else happens. Like, I have another setback from this injury. I'm going right. to lock something in that's longer than a year. But you know, though, and he knows, it only takes one team. So if even if he comes back from the ACL and he plays horribly, mm-hmm. some team out there is going to give him $60 million anyway. Uh, I guess so. Oh, come yeah. on. Yeah, just because all the bad contracts. Bismack Biombo got 70. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the bad contracts are coming off the books in 2019. You know, but... it takes one team. Oh, yeah. the 7-3 former All-Star. I'm going to pull the trigger. Yeah. You know it. Come on. I mean, let's not let's not uh, underestimate the the impatience of NBA general managers. That's true. Uh, let's move to Frankie Smokes. And my question yes. for him is like, why do the Knicks hate him so much? What's I don't know, Brian. I'm so frustrated about this. What's going? On? So they bring in, you know, they draft him with a top ten pick, number eight overall, one spot ahead of Dennis Smith Jr. Um, then they. Bring in Trey Burke. They trade for Emmanuel mm-hmm. Boudier at the trade trade deadline. It seems yeah. like they envision him more as an off ball guard than an on ball guard. Want to turn him into a two? Yeah, yeah. So uh, thoughts? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, theoretically, it's possible. He's so young and he is so gifted, uh, skills wise, mm-hmm. that I I would actually not be surprised to see it sort of working out. I just want to reiterate something here. He's not going to turn 20 until late July. Mm. He is so young that you can still have a pretty important voice in how you shape him as a player. Uh-huh. I will say this, though. Taking the ball out of his hands might be a mistake down the line. Yeah, I think he is a tremendous reader of a, of a defense and how to sort of separate it. I think he is a thinker. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's not one of those guys who just comes in aimlessly and takes off balance jump shots for the heck of it, like Zach Levine. I think he's the type of guy who thinks the game up, and in in that vein, you need to have the ball in your hands a certain amount of the time. Now, if they are intending to play him at the two, but as a part of a dual point guard backcourt, mm-hmm. then that would be more intriguing. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. It. It, I just don't understand what they're doing, but I guess they're not really committed to Moutier or Burke long-term. So <laughs> it, you're right about Trey Young feeling like a magic, like he's destined for the magic. But if not the magic, I feel like he's destined for the Knicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah, a Trey yeah. Young, Frankie Smokes oh, yeah. backcourt. Because like, to Frankie Smokes' credit, defensively he's great already. And I think he, I would I would not hate that backcourt. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. It's like yeah, let me just look. Let me let me just look here for a second because Knicks right now are ninth. Slot ninth. Yeah. So Trey, I, mean, would I have, wouldn't hate. Yeah, I would yeah. hate Trey at that point. I mean, he would have to slide based on projections as of late March. But uh, like, I think he's gonna slide anywhere. Bro. Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. I mean, a guy like Bamba might jump up above him and carter just because yeah oh carter's gonna jump when teams get a good look of wendell carter in private workouts he's gonna jump and then my big Uh, boy mikhail bridges is probably gonna jump so yeah it wouldn't totally shock me 
Yeah, you're not gonna get him, Brian. I'm aware. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not rehash that. Let's. Oh no, I, I'm actually. I'm actually. Look, I. You know that might sound like I'm teasing you. Yeah. I am. I am legitimately uh, disappointed uh, because he would fit like a glove. Uh, in I'm Philly. aware. I am aware. And his mom works for the Sixers. I know. It would be so good. Um, yeah. All right. Last thing on the Knicks. Anis Cantor, free agent this summer. Been playing oh, pretty well. For yeah. Them. He for... has. Don't ask me about the salary. I don't know. I'm so conflicted about this. <laughs> well, do you think they should re sign him regardless? I mean, if it's not a max, but like, it, yes. should they, they should be after trying to re sign him in general. Dude, the guy's averaging 20 and 15 and a half boards per 36 minutes. He's yeah. an abysmal defender. Yes. But that scoring slash rebounding production is out of this world. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we we you know what? I think we've done something wrong. We always talk about oh the the Greg Monroe, you know the Greg Monroe comparison of having a big guy come off the bench and mm-hmm. being this internal presence or or an Al Jefferson type. No, we should change that up to the Ennis Cantor type of player. <laughs> right. Yeah, because well, we, we is, included him before. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he's he's just got some issues defensively, but yeah. look look at look at the percentages. Sixty yeah. percent from the field, eighty five percent from the line. You know, he's averaging fourteen points, eleven rebounds, and this is in twenty five and a half minutes. You you can't argue. His PER is twenty four point three. He's got a true shooting percentage of sixty three point four. Mm-hmm. He leads the league in offensive rebounding percentage. I mean, this is. This is highly efficient basketball. He just gives up a lot on the other end. That right. is concerning, yeah. But you don't you don't let this level of quality walk. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't know what you offer. And I mean, he might not become a free agent. He has an eighteen point six million dollar player option for this coming season. So maybe he sees the market, sees it. You know. Maybe he thinks he's not going to get more than that. He just opts in and says, I'll test my luck in 2019 when some of the bad 2016 contracts well, come off the books. He's, here's the thing, though. He's going to be 26 Yeah. Uh, this year. Next, so next, if he waited a year, he would be 27. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he and his agent would know there's a greater shot at him getting a better deal at the age of 26. Because yeah. if you if he signed for four years... That's only going to take him to his age thirty season, mm-hmm. which, and you know, he's he's not reliant on athleticism. So right. I think, you know, I a team would feel more comfortable in that age range. I know it's only one year, but I do feel that would that would play a factor. Yeah, yeah, that's totally possible. Um, all right, Moit, do you want to wrap things up with our crush of the week? Uh, I'm crushing hard on Carmelo Anthony right yeah. now. Um, he brought four and a half thousand students from baltimore uh to to the in the, the march what, what what's the name of the march i keep forgetting march for our lives there march for our lives yes yep. thank you um so so they could protest and and do their thing and so shout out to mellow for recognizing that america's youth right now is awesome yep and uh, are fighting against your third world country standards <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> Shout, I mean, shouts to him and to really to anyone who participated in one of the marches today. It's a, it's a, 
I mean, it's just overwhelming to see that type of turnout and response. And I, I hope they know that, you know, for, I, for anyone who wasn't able to attend, um, you, they have the support of a lot more people than the ones who just showed up today. So shout outs all around and word, I'm going to stick with the shouting someone out for non basketball reasons, but I got to give a nod to both Vivek Ranadive and DeMarcus Cousins. And uh, the backstory there is that Stephen Clark is a 22-year-old black man from Sacramento who shot at 20 times by police in the backyard of his grandparents' home, uh, I believe on Sunday night, because they thought he had pulled out a gun. It turned out to be a cell phone. Um, Clark was accused of breaking into three cars and his neighbor's home. So on Thursday... People in Sacramento were protesting. the The video came out of the um, uh, of the police shooting on Wednesday. So on Thursday, people protested in Sacramento. Uh, the protest spread to outside of the Kings Arena, where they were playing the Hawks that night. Police uh, couldn't. They they said they couldn't get people into the arena safely, so they basically shut out a huge majority of the. Mm-hmm to people who held tickets for that game. So they moved everyone down the lower bowl and gave them all, I think, free drinks and, like, free popcorn and stuff, which is great. Um, But afterward, Vivek came onto the court and just gave, you know, an amazing speech just about, um, you know, he said he supports the right to protest. He thinks, like, absolutely that's something that should be done uh, in a situation like this. And he was talking about, like, how he and the team really want to be um, an agent for change in their community because they know they have a big voice and with that you know with with that privilege comes responsibility so I forget where I think it was Sam Amick from USA Today who wrote a story about it afterward and he said he like met with a lot of the veteran players uh, with Vince Carter Garrett Temple has been big in terms of the police relationship in Sacramento and has done a lot of work in that regard this year. So he spoke with him. I think he spoke with Zach Randolph, too. And they all just kind of encouraged him to speak out like this and show his support for the protesters, which I think was really, I mean, truly great. You know, we we make a lot of fun of the Kings um, because of some of the nonsense they do with their on-court decisions. But I think this was an incredible... uh, stance for him to take so for the next month i'm swearing off all king's jokes there's a moratorium because vivek earned my respect there and then demarcus cousins too he reached out to the stephen clark family to pay for his funeral according to jason jones of the sacramento b you know obviously boogie had a long time there in sacramento with the kings but the fact he's still being such an integral part of that community i think speaks volumes you know he gets the the reputation of being a hothead because he gets so many technicals, but like that, that speaks more to his character than any technical foul he's ever gotten in the NBA. So people calling Boogie a head case should look in the mirror and ask themselves, when is the last time yeah. they went out and did something of this caliber? Right. Yeah. Because that's just, that's so heartwarming. Yeah, it really was. So, I, I mean, the, the, Contrast is easy to draw between the NBA and the NFL. Like, you know, 
Vivek is an NBA owner and he's supporting protests. Colin Kaepernick remains unsigned because he support or he was protesting police brutality, which is what Vivek voiced his support for. Is you know he was supporting people protesting police brutality. So again, it just makes me grateful that the NBA is so progressive in this regard and like they realize these are these are not Republican and Democrat issues. These are issues that affect all of us here. Um, you know, we, no one should be in support of police brutality. That's not like a red or a blue thing. Like Democrats respect cops too. They just don't respect a black guy getting shot at 20 times because they thought he was holding a gun, which he wasn't like an unarmed black man being shot at 20 times. That's, uh, it's unnecessary. So yeah, yes, shout, yes. shout, shouts to the NBA community. And I'm sure you know, I, I'm sure in our next episode we're going to have a very similar crush segment because I'm sure they're going to ask coaches and players over the next couple of days about this march to our lives. And I'm sure oh, Steve... Oh, can we already pigeonhole Steve Curry yeah. and Greg Popovich? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, proactive shout-outs to both of them. And I'm sure Stan Van Gundy, too, is going to have some really great comments. LeBron, like, it's just, you know, it's a... It's a, a Terrible time for our country, but a great time for NBA players and coaches and, uh, and NBA fans and owners. Honestly. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, just everyone being aware of these, um, you know, these these everyone involved in the NBA community stepping up at a time like this is huge. So shouts to, to all of them. Absolutely. Two two years ago, um, maybe eighteen months ago, something like that. I was on. Uh, the Danish radio and I mentioned I was talking about the NBA and I was talking about you know how how expanding it is all, all over the world and the, the 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 fact that they don't keep quiet about issues and whatnot mm-hmm. and the radio host more or less ended the, the interview by asking me do you think that the NBA is going to overtake the NFL as the biggest sport in America and I told him I would be downright uh, surprised if that wasn't if that didn't happen within five years mm-hmm. and I'm just going to repeat that because at this point I believe it more now than I did then yeah it's uh, it's the NBA is is I in my opinion the le- the, the the world's leading uh, sports league honestly yeah. when it comes to social understanding social issues and and also quality of the product on the floor as well the the entire combination is just it is so great and a great you know back you know uh, what do you call it like what what you have in the back like a great commission like a, a great structure sorry i was yeah. just a good, lost, good foundation forward. good foundation a great structure you have like a great commissioner you have you know great uh, political influences as well in terms of how players are treated and handled you have the players union run by michelle roberts it's just done so wonderfully mm-hmm. everything is just on the up and up which it should be and, and they're just doing such a magnificent job with the whole thing it's yeah what a time to be an nba fan yes yeah. it's, it's just so i'm so so thankful for that agreed that's a good place to wrap up mort so thank you all for listening in uh please follow us on twitter at the nba pod you can find our twitter handles and our bios so give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some five-star reviews we would love any feedback and reminder please 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 subscribe to us with whichever rss feed you use whether it's itunes mort mentioned a couple of the android ones because we are leaving casts 
Yep. And yeah, podcast addict. Perfect. Yeah, we are leaving FanRag Sports at the end of the month. So if you are subscribed to our RSS feed, you will continue getting our stuff. But otherwise, follow us on Twitter, iTunes, however, whichever of your favorite podcast apps you use. Uh, Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And, of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & More more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer see we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them the lowest prices anywhere and friendly helpful experts at every turn you know what maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.